0: Tessa, Bacawato, Ada had to some my thumbboats and not more Tessa, Bacawato, Ada had Aparuta de Sangamatasatawara, ye Sorawanta, Bamunjantosata. This is the Observance night. And it's very auspicious to have uh, Ajahn Sajito and his uh, monks and nuns here for this time, for this week. Uh, To support and help each other, encourage each other in practice, Dharma practice. In the monastic life, uh, as, uh, as Kalyanamittas, uh, the value of Sangha is, a, is a encouragement, support, underlying support, common goal, common aspiration, uh, common tradition and form that we all use, our Dhamma Vinaya, our tradition. Is something that we we all uh, have in common. Something that we can use uh, to reflect our often, oftentimes the glaring differences and and uh, in terms of character, personality, nationality, etc. All the things that that can uh, that we can dwell on that are different, though. If it's important to recognize the common bond that which which binds us together as a as a Samana Sangha. And th- th- these days, there's so many in the Buddhist world in the West. There's so many uh, people have so many views and opinions about monastics, monks, nuns. Lay people, lay teachers. Uh, whether you need to go all the way and become a monk or a nun, or whether you can you can uh, become enlightened without becoming a monk or a nun, or with, uh, what is it? All these kind of uh, speculations. Uh, people are interested in wanting to know how to do it, how to get enlightened, or how to be liberated from suffering, or uh, realize nibbana, uh, salvation, liberation, freedom. All these words imply uh, an ultimate realization in which we we, uh, break through the delusions uh, that we have about ourselves and the world that we live in. And the Buddha's uh, direct pointing at the problem is the basic delusion we have, the avicca. Mm -hmm. The ignorance of the suffering its causes, the ignorance of the cessation of suffering, ignorance of the of the Eightfold Path. This is what when we use the word avicca, It implies this kind of ignorance doesn't mean ignorance uh, in in, uh, other ways, like not knowing things about worldly situations. But this having not explored, investigated, uh, contemplated, reflected, not having with insight penetrated the truth of the way it is then our relationship to the world, to each other, to the tradition or to the society uh, will always be uh, a source of suffering for us. Because this realm that we're in is a realm of, of it's a very painful realm to be born into. This basically being human being uh, on planet earth is experience of sensation. It's sensitive, it's painful uh, we have to live with so many uh, so much pain and, and anguish and and despair grief, loss separation from the love, having to put up with, having to bear with uh, irritations aggravations, frustrations uh, miserable situations this the aging process the body goes through, and and the uh, varieties of pain and sickness, disease, death, and all this is, is a part of this realm. It's the experience that, that we have when we're living in this realm as human beings. So this is this is kind of normal. It's nothing. We're not. We're not. I'm not complaining about it. Not saying it should be any other way, but we're recognizing that it's this way. That this is the way it is. That as long as we seek uh, uh, to attach and and identify with this with this realm that we're living in, with the body we have, or with the uh, feeling, with the with the uh, perceptions, mental formations, with consciousness, when we attach, identify uh, and believe that these are ourselves and of course we create more suffering around the natural suffering that we experience the the natural unsatisfactoriness that is uh, conveyed in the in the, uh, uh, that is the, the nature of the conditioned realm so when we when we investigate this realm that we're living in it means we're not looking at it in terms of making value judgments or trying to uh, complain about it or to think that we can somehow transform the conditioned realm into something that would be permanently better, permanently more beautiful, permanently more pleasurable. Then uh, we we realize that in the say in Western Europe the past 50 years there's been an enormous effort put forth in trying to to create uh, that kind of experience, kind of uh, materialist world of luxury and stability, uh, materialism. Uh, pleasure seeking hedonism goes into all kinds of extremities and yet even at its very best when you do have the very best of, of, of it all is something basically uh, unsatisfying it, it can't really fulfill us Also, we, we have an aspiration towards the ultimate realization, the basic religious impulse of human beings that is common to us all in every, uh, every form of every, um, human being that was ever born has some, some kind of intuitive, uh, feeling that somehow there's more to it than just the, the, this Singular existence that we're experiencing as this individual—the the mystery, the unknown—that uh, we sense. Uh, there's something more, something magnificent, something marvelous in this universe, where our lives can get really involved with just the uh, just trying to survive, just trying to get enough food, or or just. Barely eke out a living, trying to make our way, with trying to uh, control the pain, the disease, the the sense of loss, the fear of the future, the fear of death. We're just grinding ourselves into just uh, an endless kind of uh, survival creature that gets depressed, disappointed, lost in our lives to become very meaningless and purposeless so we oftentimes take to drink or drug something that at least kind of give us a break from the uh, endless proliferations we make around uh, through negativity through fear and desire through doubt and worry anxiety through self-consciousness obsessions with ourselves through blaming, through through fear of being blamed, and all the rest that uh, the wars, the persecution, the atrocities, the, the endless quarrels that we we see, we we experience, we hear about. This is this century, the twentieth century. There's been a century of just uh, you know one war, one conflict after another. Conflicts that, that are really, you know, you know, are called world wars, first, second world war, the cold war, and plus all the innumerable uh, conflicts that go on, they don't get such uh, kind of um, extreme labels, they get called police actions or coup d'etat or whatever, but whatever you want to call it, it is a form of misery. And now I don't know how many how many wars are going on at this time on this planet. There are a lot. And what are these caused from? You know, what? Why do we seek to solve problems or try to to, to uh, try to uh, make our society? Try to get our societies into trying to create a society that we think we can maybe make better or or have some idea that it will get better if we get our way, if we win the battle, uh, through these violent means, through deceit, through violence, through uh, abuse, t- atrocity, uh, murder and slaughter and so forth, and we think we can somehow, if we, we can uh, hope to create some kind of idyllic society through such means, But in the monastic life, we're th- we're looking at the internal war that goes on in the mind, and so the the conflicts that arise, let's say, in one's own mind in daily life, because we have, you know, we have ideas about how things should be. We have, you know, we 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 would like everything to be harmonious and everybody to be honest and everybody to be. Uh Helpful, courteous, thoughtful, respectful, good, generous, moral, and, and uh, the society to be like this, and the world we live in. We'd like ourselves to be, to, to kind of live up to these high-minded ideals, these high standards. And yet, uh, emotionally, we can feel just the opposite. We can feel mean, selfish, critical... We want to. We can be uh, endlessly blaming, blaming ourselves, blaming others, uh, deceiving ourselves, um, getting caught in very gross forms of desire, and and uh, so forth, so that we we have we have conflicts going on in the inside our mind. I used to find it very difficult before I understood what was going on and because uh, I had high aspirations and, and high standards and, and ideals for my, my life and yet it always seemed to be pulled down by my emotions caught in very uh, immature reactions or very selfish or, or very uh, unkind emotional habits and yet, ideally, I didn't want that. I wanted to be kind, generous, good, and all rest. So then the, you end up with this judging going on. The, the, the intellect judging the thinking, the emotions are bad, or you should, there's something wrong with me for having, feeling like this, for having these thoughts, for having these emotions. Uh, critic you know saying this is bad you're a bad person for thinking like this feeling like this and so the conflict goes on you try to justify it you 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 uh, rationalize all kinds of things you manage to deceive yourself good part of the time Uh, uh, but this this confusion arises endless confusion emotional confusion uh, and uh, one just feels a sense of despair, hopelessness with oneself through trying to solve one's emotional problems through, through the intellect. Or just trying to get, just suppress the emotions, try to deny or uh, refuse to, uh, to acknowledge them. monastic life can be just based on an ideal you know just trying to be a good good monk a good nun and uh, trying to live up to the standards the ideals uh, that we we read about in the scriptures and that that will take us so far and there's a inspirational states of mind because we we long to aspire to being a really good monk or really good nun and then uh, we're sometimes uh, shocked and and disgusted by our own uh, emotional reactions or desires, low, uh, selfish, uh, uh, animalistic desires that can that we can feel, uh, you know, are that we also identify with and try to get rid of and deny. So in the Buddha, to solve this dilemma, used mindfulness as the means. So mindfulness is, uh, is, a, is sati, as a, is the a, is a kind of the key word uh, for Buddha's teaching. And when we when we're practicing meditation, then we're using uh, the intuitive ability of the mind is not a it's not not rationalizing or analyzing anything uh, even though we can use those when necessary but meditation isn't isn't an analysis or rationalization or a critique or a suppression or a denial of anything but the willingness to embrace the moment because the intuition is the ability that we have when we're receptive and fully awake and aware in the present. So when this uh, two lines of Pali that I chant up to the Namotasa, the gates to the deathless are open. This is this has been my theme song since I came to Amravati thirteen years ago. As many of you know. That's the that's the theme song of Amravati, the gates to the deathless are open. Amravati is the deathless realm and uh, this is of course metaphor don't ta- don't think the the actual plot of land but it is it's also to to use this this uh, to remind ourselves that the gate the, the doors, the entrance to the deathless are open then uh, for those who listen who pay attention so the Soda wanta is the ability is one who listens, one who listens or sees, or pays attention, is awake, and and it's not paying attention to a condition on this, uh, like reading a book uh, particularly, but it's this this uh, ability to to be awake and aware in the present, to put that kind of effort into the present moment to sustain this awareness to listen which is an expansive state of mind isn't it the, the conscious experience in the present is embracing the moment rather than discriminating uh, like concentrating on one thing uh, and, uh, and and shutting out all the rest. like with samatha meditation we tend to do that we tend to concentrate on one thing and and sharpen up the concentration through through suppression. Then with Vipassana we're using this intuition, which is intuitive awareness, which is to embrace the present, the totality of it, the way it is. Then the Soda Wanta Soda Wanta Ba Munjantu to trust, to relax into this present moment with with faith. sada Sada. Ba is to kind of uh, release or let go, relax into with faith. Just your ability. Simple. It's a simple ability. It's not a complicated, difficult thing to do. It's not like you have to spend years trying to to be mindful and trying to get it. It's not like that. It's 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 a it's a natural state that is relaxed and attentive, open, receptive, in the present. So then the when we when we trust in that then we begin to uh... recognize the way it is for example the in the Satipatthana the, the body, the feelings, the mental formations, the, the Dhamma the four foundations of mindfulness so in this is what's present here and now, isn't it? In, the, in every moment now that uh, here and now the present patjubana dhamma is what now for, for as experience in the present is the body and we're all experiencing the body now how do you experience your body you know if you, if you analyze it through through conceiving it as this and that through through the various uh, uh, kind of ways that we we have is in with medical uh, terminologies or scientific terms, that's one way of trying to analyze the body as if it, I- I- in, a, in an abstract way, through or through looking at charts, through looking at uh, books on anatomy and physiology, or through intuition, isn't it? When we, when we just open uh, and observe. The way the body is in the present, like this, so that's an intuitive ability where the the mind is embracing or with the way the body is. It's intuitive awareness rather than than uh, rational analysis. It's like this. So they use the four postures. The breath. The breath is like this. Sitting standing, walking, lined down, like this, we're not, we're not, it's not criticizing, or saying, you know, saying how it should be, but whatever way it is, whether you're walking straight or crooked, sitting erect or, hu- or hunched over, or whether you're feeling pleasure or pain or whether, whatever, it's not really, we're not, we're not having a standard that we, we're trying to make ourselves live up to, but just noticing beginning to trust in our ability to just observe the way it is like this so in that in that moment and the body is is seen for what it is and our relationship to it has changed from seeing it from uh, the, the sense of my body as we we might look at it in a mirror with vanity you know, with and how attractive or how old do I look? or they, uh, my complexion and so forth, or seeing the body merely in terms of uh, the perceptions of modern science, and uh, through through analyzing it, criticizing it, or through feeling it, being it, with it, because the we can the consci- experience of consciousness in this present moment allows us gives us this ability to to let the body be a conscious experience in the present because of this intuitive ability of the mind and then the uh vedananupathana is the vedana feeling pleasure pain Tuka 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 matukha vedana. Because this, this is a sense experience in the pleasure, pain and neutral sensation through the senses, through the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body. Mind, the, the mind, mental state give us pleasure or pain or are neutral as well as sight, sound, smell, taste and touch. So we're... We're now intuiting feeling or Vedana meaning we're we're not judging it, making judging criticizing it, but just noticing it's like this. Pleasure is like this, pain is like this, neutral sensations like this. Or in through the through the eye you know, pleasure when we look at beauty is pleasure is like this attraction, isn't it? When we see something beautiful, we we feel this pull towards it, we feel attracted. Attraction is like this. When we look at something ugly, repulsive, repulsion is like this. Dukkha Vedana, then neither pleasure nor pain is like this. And so it's it's the way it is. We're not making this up. We're not trying to fit experience into ideas we have about it or so-called Buddhist uh, Buddhist ideas we're actually observing in a state of awareness the way it is and in the uh, gitanaana the mental state the mood the state of mind the jitta is like this whether it's you feeling inspired or depressed or or expanded, or contracted, or, or uh, elated, or, or uh, frightened, or angry, or greedy, jealous, envious, doubtful, uncertain, confused, miserable, stressed out, whatever the jitta is like. It's also intuiting that by the intuitive awareness allows us to to recognize that this is the way it is, but it's not judging it. This particularly I find particularly a challenge to deal with Gianupassana because you say you having a, uh, you're feeling angry or you're feeling uh, uncertain or confused. there's so much resistance wanting to get rid of it and change it but we begin to do this by releasing, letting go into the present moment we're we're not trying to make anything out of it just let it be what it is it's like this so miserable mental state is like this then dhamanupasana uh, satipatthana this takes us to the ultimate realization where where we realise the Dhamma is like this. The Amata Dhamma, the deathless, is like this. The Condition realm is anicca dukkha nata. So they, we we see that we we use these as as reminders of the way it is, not as as ideas we put on to life. And I think this is one one of the problems with vipassana uh, as it, as Westerners tend to practice it is that they tend to uh, project these uh, like the idea of impermanence onto everything or suffering or unsatisfactoriness so that, that uh, they, they're really conditioning their mind to see everything through their projection rather than trusting in their ability to just observe so anicca, dukkha, natta, these three characteristics of existence aren't positions we take uh, in order to interpret experience but they're reminders uh, help us to remember to observe these characteristics as they're happening now remember the old wet blanket approach we used to do years ago you know you, say, you look at a flower and you say that flower is beautiful and then you say, yeah but it's impermanent it's going to get old soon, and wilt and then turn rotten and stink And they think that's that's (laughs) Vipassana. Which is, you know, kind of, you know, kind of, the way I said that was deliberately said in a state of projecting. They said that you shouldn't enjoy beauty because you'll get attached and then you'll suffer. So you start looking at even beauty as uh, through this. Through some projection of suffering, you know, it's all miserable, which leads to uh, self delusion. Again, it's depressing. But this isn't what is. This isn't mindfulness. This is just trying to uh, convince yourself of something, uh, something you call Buddhism. No, so we're not trying to convince ourselves. But observing mm. that beauty is attractive. It's the way it is. It's like this. It's not making any value judgment about it. Beauty is impermanent. You know, you, it's not nothing. That's part of this That's, that's fine. It's nothing. Uh, unless y- the only suffering you have is when you want beauty to be permanent. Then you create suffering around beauty. misery and pain is impermanent but it tends to seem permanent like when you're in pain it te- tends to seem like you know one is always afraid it's going to last forever the idea of a hell realm isn't where you're permanently in in chronic pain uh, miserable pain that will last forever is, is the kind of mental state that you have when that i have anyway when when there's a real pain physical pain or from physical discomfort or even mental uh, pain but in the with intuitive awareness in the mind is in this receptive state non non-critical state of of embracing the present the pain or the the ugliness or the pleasure or the beauty and our response to it then is, through accepting it for what it is, it's like this. When we say the way it is, it's like this. It's not. There's, there's no judgment in that. It's just. It's a way of, of, say, reflecting on it, just to re- to to not make any judgments about it. Pleasure feels like this. So you start looking it, start accepting the pleasure you're feeling. But not indulging in it, you're really aware of it. It's like pleasure is like this, pain is like this, neutral sensations like this. In the silence of the mind, then is the is the uh, where the world and eternity meet. Mr. Panikar, Father Panikar says in those paints, "Silence is where the world and the eternity meet." Well, that's an interesting reflection for me. Well, I've contemplated that a lot, with The, the uh, because in the present moment, you know, the one one can be very much uh, aware of the world or the emotion or the state of mind. The agitated mental state that one is experiencing, or the physical sensations of the body. And, and when that dominates all our attention, then we have no way of, of, tra- of uh, then it just goes on and on to the next one. You know, the world, the samsara has this, this kind of endless cycle, uh, feeling to it. It just goes around and around and around. And so, as long as one's attention is only on the on the uh, rupa uh, gaya made in the then then there's you just one is just continually kind of processing conditioned experience, and it just goes one goes thing goes on to the next. So, in in realizing the deathless realizing the in the third noble truth realizing of Nirodha of Nibbana uh, realization of Anatta, like Tama Anatta, and when he chant that all Dhamma is Anatta. realizing Anatta, non-self Sunyata emptiness realizing uh... Nirodha, cessation, realizing Nibbana, non-attachment. So intuition is the ability to to embrace the 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 world and eternity in the in the present. Now that sounds pretty grand doesn't it in in terms of uh, terminology But through reflecting on it, you know that's what that isn't such a rare or impossible thing to do. Mm. I mean, when you think of it in terms of maybe uh, abstract thinking and 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 your intellectual abilities, it uh, it does sound difficult. But in terms of of uh, experience, it's quite normal, natural thing to be able to do. In that, the gate to the deathless are open. So in that state of attention, mm-hmm. attentive awareness, intuitive awareness, right. that, that that that's the entrance, or that's the point, that's the intersection where they where uh, time and the timeless, and that's what we're able to to uh, realize in this human form within the limitations of our humanity, we can actually realize and learn to trust in that in that still point in the present which paradoxically is as they say the point that has no boundaries. So it's like a point is a, a dot and then but it's, it's, it has no circumference. it's unlimited. And that's where the, the, we give up the thinking kind of analytical mind, trying to figure that one out, and experience it, realize it through its mindfulness way of of uh, contemplating and way of of opening to life. Meditation, in Buddhist terms, isn't a shutting down and trying to control and uh, and trying to uh, kind of filter out all the course unpleasant things and trying to kind of support all that's refined uh, in our lives but it's it's uh, it's willing to flow with life because with intuitive awareness we, we we no longer feel the need to control experience if we're caught in just the worldly dhammas then there is a need to control things we always because the. We, we just get so upset or so confused or so uh, angry or so resentful or so uh, disturbed by this or that that we, we do have to control uh, and, and exert a lot of effort to just try to survive in the world because it's it just, uh, is, you know, just too, too frightening, too many uh, aggravations, too many frustrations in it. But with the enlightened mind, then the mind doesn't need to control because uh, it's no longer uh, uh, something that that, that we're we're stuck in just going from one thing to the next. We have the escape. In this, uh, there is an escape. This is one of my favorite quotes. I think it's from the what which one is it the uh, Udana well, anyway the um, there is an escape from the born the created, the originated, and so that is that is the, the world isn't it the world the the body the the uh, feelings the uh, mental states and all that there's an escape from, from that the, the word escape it doesn't mean escape in, in out of aversion it doesn't mean we hate the world and we're just trying to get out of it it's not based on aversion or blaming the world it's not that kind of escape but it's the escape through wisdom through seeing the nature of this is like this And that as long as we're bound into the conditioned realm, identified, attached, lost in it, then all we, we, all the best we can do is try to control it uh, for our own benefit. You know, make lots of money and try to buy a nice cottage in some pleasant place and, and try to, you know, avoid any unpleasant scenes or unpleasant people or uh, pollution and all that you can do. <laughs> so instead of having to do that and mm-hmm. say that someone not when we look at our lives here uh, as, uh, as mendicant which means that we lose our ability to control everything don't we we kind of we have we don't have any money uh we have to just accept alms food and uh, we we we've, we've given up our ability to control our lives and and kind of arrange and manipulate conditions for our own benefit protect ourselves you are at the mercy and we're at the mercy of the society we're in whether this society is merciful or merciless. Fortunately this society is fairly merciful. So we we have this nice temple now, He can here <laughs> And good food every day and all the rest of it. This is the mercy and we're living in a merciful society rather than a merciless one. But we're dependent on on the on the mercy of this society for Basic survival with the four requisites. So that means we're we're deliberately choosing not to be in control of all that, and taking the risk it, uh, of, uh, of 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 meeting mercilessness, hard-heartedness, brutality, indifference, not caring, not respecting. No reason why anybody should just respect us uh, respect me because I'm Buddhist monk in a, in especially in a non-Buddhist country but the fact is that it does it's ne- never been a problem in, for me living in a, in Britain because uh, there is mercy there is good heartedness that someone in our life does seem to to bring out the goodness in, in others, brings out these merciful virtues. So then we listen. We no, our 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 kind of occupation then, as someone does, is not just to survive on alms food and all the rest end in itself that that takes care of the kind of basics of the necessities uh, that we have to have something to eat and you know, something to wear roof over the head and medicine for illness but then we have now the occasion the opportunity not to just we don't have to spend our lives just kind of trying to survive at a, at a low level or having to uh, support ourselves but live, in a simple way simplify our life and develop the meditation bhavana cultivation which is learning to relax and and listen pay attention both internally and externally externally we're observing not, not criticizing or making judgments about I like this, I don't like that but observing the way things are and then internally we, we can observe our own kind of uh, fears and desires our way our conceit operates the way our uh, you know, various emotions arise and cease And we can explore our own mind. We become aware of the edge where where the thinking stops. Thinking ceases. I used to, you know, did a lot of uh, investigation of this, where the thinking ceases. And and really uh, used or developed all kinds of upayas or skillful means to deal with to, to be, to learn how to recognize, realize where there's no thought. Because then I can, when when the thinking ceases, my feelings, and my moods, making judgments. My intellectual mind's programmed to endlessly criticize my my moods, my emotions, my habits. And so if I'm if I'm just if I have no no cessation of thought, then all I can do is try to kind of rationalize my existence as a monk, which doesn't which isn't liberating. It isn't isn't the experience of liberation? So the the aim to, to recognize first of all I recognize the cessation of thought and we were talking this afternoon at tea time about doubt and investigating the, the state of not knowing the experience of not knowing not understanding doubting, uncertainty where the the thinking process ceases And suddenly you're aware of non-thinking is like this. The gaps between thoughts, the gaps between words. Now then also in uh, I use this uh, sound of silence Uh, developed this one found very helpful many of you are using this now I hope the good effect but it it also is a sign where the the thinking mind ceases where you're at the edge uh... where the conditioning of the mind is no longer you're no longer caught in the conditioning of the mind and where you can and as you rest into that sound of silence more relax into that silence then you can be you can really know what you're feeling you know, this is the level of jitta of, of uh, that you're experiencing in the present whether you're feeling the the mood is is uh, happy or sad or pleasant or painful whatever confused Like uh, intuitive awareness allows you to like confusion. Where I was saying the other day about uh, having this one one afternoon fairly recently. I had this uh, feeling, that this strong emotion, and I had this, uh, and my intellect was busily trying to kind of analyze this emotion and uh, trying to yeah. kind of you know, making making judgments about my emotional state, and then the emotion uh, was like this. So, just embracing both the intellectual uh, desire to, to figure it out and the and the actual uh, feeling of that emotion, and the result was confusion. And so, as I stayed with the confusion, then the confusion dropped. And and you are aware of the cessation, so you're realizing the cessation of of emotional habits, not getting rid of them or suppressing them, but with being aware when they're no longer present, no longer there. So, mindfulness is is a is a is a is a factor that isn't going up and down with the with the conditions that you're experiencing and that's why uh, we we have this this refuge in this in this awareness the, it's the buddha knowing the dhamma isn't the ability to to pay attention to life as you're experiencing it not as not as some uh abstraction or, but as life is as, as it is you know, whatever way it feels for you, you know, because it's, it, that's the world, as far as the experience goes, is what you're thinking, what you're feeling. Whether it's crazy or sane, or sensible, or stupid, or whatever, it doesn't. We're not we're not judging it. We just notice it's like this. So there, there is the escape from the created, the conditioned, the born, the originated, because there is the unborn, uncreated, unoriginated. So that's a that's realization. It's a, it's it's not it's not a it's not a, a Buddhist philosophical theory. It's a it's realizable. It's reality, in other words. Now I'd ask myself over, the, in my monastic life over the years, I said, "This has to be something practical. It just can't, you know, like the oftentimes uh, religions religious teachings get get exalted to the point where you, you feel you no longer can make them work." And so, nibbana is one of those words in in the Buddhist world that gets exalted, gets put up on a pedestal and uh, arahants and sodaspanas and all these are these are these are put on pedestals so that they they're so high that 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 most of us uh, think they're just beyond our ability but then is that what the Buddha was teaching worshipping worshipping something on a pedestal that we have faith in something up on a pedestal is that what he was teaching? It? Then any religion, you know, you w- golden idols, or you might as well worship, um, you know, beautiful golden goddesses on pedestals, something. <laughs> if you if you're into worshiping things on pedestals, but this, is n- n- but nibbana isn't isn't something refined, but some, but it's subtle. So it, it, it it's asking us to pay attention, rather than to refine ourselves, the realization of neuro of the cessation. How does that work in practical as a practical thing in your life? And so I would, I just you know I'd, I'd try to. You know I witness that in that the, the cessation that goes on in my mind the way things end in my mind and I notice when I when I really pay attention and wi- and it's easy to easy enough to see with with uh, with with words with thoughts as thought moves very moves quite quickly or I develop these these deliberate thoughts you know and then think in a deliberate way so I can observe the gaps, the interstices, spaces between thoughts, between words, and the end. But then the the emotions kind of linger, don't they? They hang around. They 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 have a lot of inertia. They kind of they they're not like they don't move so quickly. So you're you're stuck with oftentimes moods, with feelings uh, uh, in your in your mind, in your body, in your heart, feeling of sadness or or despair or or resentment. So then the uh, intuitive awareness of that feeling is like this and you go right into the feeling totally embracing the emotional feeling not judging it analyzing it, but just letting it be like this like grief for example then the loss of somebody you love it's like this and when my mother died uh really explore that sense of loss it's like this rather than just trying to 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 smother the the emotion or ignore it i'm really determined to grieve to really know this feeling embrace the whole the whole emotion of grief and then through that then it, it naturally ceased it wasn't wasn't repressed or forced and uh, and I and I realized the cessation of a condition real I I saw I witnessed I was there when it ended so that's making it putting it into practical and then and into practical uh, realizations nothing fantastic or or all that difficult about it this is your willingness to to uh, do that your trust your your confidence that you can do that and then then recognizing when grief ceases, there is peace like when that emotion was the, the the when the when it had finished. Then there was a sense of this real peacefulness, bliss. Not not a kind of blissed out, high, but uh, this a, a, a lovely feeling of emptiness, no self, non-attachment, and recognise, realising it's like that. Non-attachment is like this. So you're. You're, you're really informing your conscious life with wisdom all the time. Both in the presence, with the presence of the condition, the attachment to the condition, and and the absence and non-attachment of the condition. No both, not not no preference. We get greedy. I want just to, I just want to live in the state of Nibbana, non-attachment, and, uh, and, and emptiness and we attach, you know, we get, we, we want that, we want, we, we, uh, we attach the idea of emptiness and, and to the memories maybe we've had of those moments. That doesn't work either because as far as, as uh, our karma goes, we have to, we, we, we're like this. We're at that point of intersection it. with the the world the conditioned realm is very strong experience for us having a physical body like this having senses and all the rest you know this this is uh this is what we what we have to accept the the world the conditioned realm as it is not try to Escape from it because we don't like it and don't want to suffer, don't want to feel it, don't want to experience it anymore. But recognize it, realize it, its presence, and also recognize, realize non-attachment to it. When there's attachments like this, when there's non-attachment like this. With meditation too, I, it, there's so many theories and views and types and, and that. And oftentimes we we make it sound so so difficult and so uh, you know like years and years of hard work and sacrifice. Let <laughs> so that if that's what we think, then that's probably what we'll experience. We create that, don't we? That's the world we create. uh, That we're, you know, and then we tend to, uh, that's what we tend to experience then. But it's not either, you know, getting enlightened quickly and then, any, what any position you take, you can be aware of. even, you know, we can even attach to the view of not being attached. You shouldn't be attached to anything, you hear people say. And then, uh, that then we're attached to that view. <coughs> or all the views about meditation, about samatha, you have to get this, and then do vipassana, then the pure vipassana, and the views about uh, all kinds of things that we, uh, the views aren't necessarily the problem. It's the attachment. It's the commitment. The the attachment taking refuge in views that blind us. So even even attachment to the view of non-attachment will blind you. So I used to try deliberately. Being attached to things, just so I could re- realize uh, and know what attachment like, and deliberately attached, you know, really, you know, instead of just you know, oh, I shouldn't be attached, and kind of living my life in a kind of furtive way, uh, I don't dare attach. And I I would experiment with my attachments, and really watch and feel them, and feel the what it's like to really be attached to things or people or ideas you know really like the attachment to the form or attachment to the tradition you know, uh, how much suffering I created around my attachment to the tradition uh, to to various members of the Sangha the, the kind of attachment I had I, I had towards these things and then the but observing the, the the result of that attachment, and then through that, then you 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 realize the suffering that comes through attachment. Not, and so your your uh, non-attachment isn't coming from just some idea that you shouldn't be attached, but it's through understanding that you know when you grasp fire, it hurts the actual experience of it you know you naturally let go naturally don't attach to things that hurt when you know that they do but if you don't know that then even attachment to the to the to the best of the conditioned realm the attachment to buddhism attachment to monasteries or attachment to traditions methods none of these things are the problem in themselves—it's the attachment, ubadana, dana ubadana—that is where we we uh, uh, are most uh, blind. Uh, well you can see, never trust anybody that points to the condition. Don't attach to that view either. <laughs> Do you know what attachment is what does it feel like to be obsessed to be really attached to views or opinions or people or places what does it feel like where you feel this obsession about them compulsion where you feel very anxious if they're ever threatened or you feel angry or you feel indignant you feel uh, jealous You worry, you know, anxious about this and that because this changes, or this might your your pet, your favorite, your 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 commitment, your everything is bound up in this, and, then, and it might be threatened, and you feel yourself going crazy with resentment or anger. That's that's attachment. You know, that's the sign of attachment. And that very attachment isn't, we're not trying to get rid of it, but to understand it, know it, feel it, experience it. So then you, you know what you're talking about. You know, uh, and you, then you can, then you're letting go, isn't through aversion, or fear, or uh, about attachment. It's through understanding, through wheel through, uh, and, and through, uh, realizing non-attachment is like this. Non-attachment is cool. It's it's, it's and it's joyful. And I notice in monastic life, I, mean, that I get a lot of joy from monastic life when there's no attachment to it. When I start attaching to anything in this monastic system, then then I don't get much joy out of this life. I could blame a monastic life, uh, or blame others, but then I know better. I know that, that if I'm experiencing monastic life as, uh, as, as onerous or difficult or hard or whatever, then it's because of an attachment I have. Where is that? What am I attached to then that's making my life so joyless and so miserable? and then i try to see you know i investigate there what am i attached to now that's making me like that makes me suffer like this so the next few days we have the opportunity to practice together and uh, Practice or whatever you want to do. Uh, What till you're returning? What Friday or Thursday night? I think that's this is the we stay up till midnight. Night. Uh, You're all invited to participate?